is The Next Trip Podcast with Aviation Insiders Doug and Drew. Together, with more than 40 years of industry experience, they are creating a network for other app geeks and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. All thoughts and opinions are their own. Good day. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to Boarding Pass 59, operating on January 11th, 2021. This is Drew, and I'm here with my fellow industry insider, Doug. We're two avgis creating a network for airline, airplane, and travel enthusiasts to obsess about all things aviation. Welcome to our second episode of 2021, and welcome to our first guest of the year, Justin Yarbrough. You know him as Fat Elvis 4 on Twitter. <laughs> Justin's been on the show twice, which I think you're our, our first person that we're having back for a third time. So congratulations, Justin. How many more punches on the card until I get a sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to we need to create like some elite status. Well, Saturday Night Live, I think they get a crown or something when they're on their f- the fifth time. So we got to create some kind of party. Prize. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, just just keep pumping out articles about accessibility and about travel, and <laughs> and you'll you'll get to that free sandwich, Justin. But speaking of that, Justin is a digital. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna wind up with something Doug picked up in a Delta Club and shipped to me. <laughs> Some of that stuff is good. <laughs> yeah, but do I really want it? Like after it gets FedExed and. No. Justin is a digital accessibility expert at Rio Salado College. He writes for Runway Girl Network. Welcome to the 3P, Justin. Thanks for having me, guys. How was everyone's week? Justin, you're the guest, so let's start with you. It's uh, first week back after the holiday. It's getting back into the groove. And then, well, this week was this week. We'll just put it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My week was, uh, let's describe my week as a good bad week. And Doug, I've told you about it, but it's a it's a hard week in DC because we had the protests at the mm-hmm. Capitol. Yeah. I'm glad that that's calmed down. And then a lot of those people are not big fans of masks, and they were all go, going out the next day. And I'm, yep. of course, I'm working. We had no less than six flights with issues blowing up, right? To the point where I left my desk to handle one of the issues. And no, I'm in station ops. I don't leave because we have customer service. Mm-hmm. But they were so stretched with all these issues. I'm like... Let me go up and help with one of them. Thankfully, they were all calmed down. All the flights left. Didn't have to call the police, even though the police, they were present because they Mm -hmm. knew that there could be stuff happening. And just as I'm preparing for this episode, guys, I'm reading articles about flights out of DCA, the other airport, where they did have issues and they had to call the cops. So thankfully, we didn't. The flights left. So that was, you know, part of my good, bad week. You know, when we have full flights now, so we have... Customers coming back from Europe, I guess they're finishing their Christmas holidays. Mm-hmm. So it's like a full regular day pre-COVID. But we don't have regular custom staffing or regular TSA or regular airlines. It's a good problem to have that the flights are full coming back, but we really don't have the resources to manage them like we used to. So there's a struggle getting everyone through customs and then back on their flights, but they all left. So that's the good part of the um that's the good part of the bad week. That was kind of surprising to me because you would think that the border protection would be able to see what the projected loads are to be able to figure out their staffing and, and their manning. It, it shouldn't come as a surprise, I feel like. Oh, it's, no, it doesn't. But they just they can't turn on a dime. Yeah. It's, it's the government. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, expecting them to be responsive. Yeah. Well, no, that, that is very true. Asking a lot. It was... T- Customs actually added a couple agents because we had those delays the week before that I told you about, Doug. So mm-hmm. this time it was TSA. And I'm not, I mean, TSA did a great job 
trying to fill the gap, you know, doing, doing all kinds of things, getting more staffing, opening another machine. So they did everything they could. And we didn't take significant delays. It was just, just a bottleneck for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of frustrating. Uh, Drew, you and I were on uh, another podcast <laughs> this week. But wait, what about your week? Well, my week, man. I, of you were on uh, quarantine four, I think. I yeah, if quarantine four, which this one was isolation. I had to isolate from my family because I had, had a potential exposure from a, a coworker from a flight that I was on a couple weeks ago. Uh, that turned out to be fine, so I came out of isolation. So my week started in quarantine four, in isolation, in a room away from my family, and ended up with the vaccine on Friday. So talk about two completely different sides of like mental, (laughs) mental, whatever you want to call it, like going from one extreme to the other, basically. So yeah, that was, it it was quite the week. Definitely was. No, congratulations, um, getting the vaccine. So I mean, that's good, because now I can tell Robbie he's safe to fly with. So that's the last reason he can deny a hall pass. Real quick, before we get to the story. So we were on, (laughs) we've talked about Tyler's, uh, Tyler and Monique. Um, Tyler is on Twitter. He's a photographer. Uh, he, his handle is T crook airways. Have you listened to his podcast, Justin? Yeah, I've listened to every episode. Aren't they great? Yeah, they, they really are. They're, uh, they're, uh, they're a hoot. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I won't. So everyone who's listening, go to not make make sure I'm saying this right. Doug non-rev lounge, the not the non-rev lounge. Yep. So, you know, we talk about um, our show being a fun sandwich because we have a fun topic. Then we have the meat of the show, which is the news briefs. And then we have more fun. This is all fun. So it's 100 percent fun. We were on the show and just real quickly go and listen to it. But there was this one segment where I said (laughs) we were talking about routings and airplanes and, you know, friends and everything. And I said, but, you know, it is people before planes. There's (laughs) people, not planes, (laughs) people, not planes. Right. (laughs) People over planes. Oh, people over planes. Yeah. So then there's this awkward pause, and then everyone just breaks out and laughs because it is about the planes. The people are nice to have. But anyway, go listen. And we, we had so much fun. It went what two over two hours, and it's yeah. two episodes. So the one that we did is live. And Tyler and Monique, Monique's his sister, by the way. She is so funny. They have the second episode of. Uh, you and me on it on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. This so week, yeah, on. coming out. Yeah, oh, yeah. Go listen to them bash uh, reservations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and where my <laughs> wife works and worked with Monique at one point. <laughs> and what did Monique say? Like we asked her, what was her worst job? She said, "Oh, reservations." Yeah, it, it didn't even hesitate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I mean, it, that kind of job's not for everybody. That's for sure. Yeah. So your wife's probably more patient, you know, dealing with these. Well, my wife's a manager. She's not actually dealing with the customers. So. Uh, all right, so let's get to a quick warm-up, guys. So um, one of our listeners, and I would say he's a contributor now because we talk all the time about airplane stuff. His name is Ryan. He's also on Twitter. Uh, his handle is at Planes and Planes, and the first plane is P-L-I-N-S and P-L-A-N-E-S. Uh, he's in Fargo, North Dakota. He's traveling back this month from training in Indianapolis at a cargo airline. He could travel back from Fargo with one connection. I'm sorry, travel back to Fargo with one connection, but like a good av geek, he chose two connections and three flights. So his routing is Indianapolis to Chicago to Denver to Fargo. 
Now his Chicago-Denver flight is on a wide-body United 777-200. Nice job, Ryan, finding a 777 on a short segment. And uh, Drew and I have talked about this. I've been on a United 777 from Chicago to Denver. It's unfortunate that it's only like two a two-hour flight because when you're on such a great airplane like that, you just want it to keep going. But at least he's able to find that. We, As Drew and I have said, we love these domestic wide-bodies. But what right. Ryan, what Ryan really wanted to know was our recommendation on where he should sit. So we put this into a poll and we said the choices are row 17 through 21, which is forward of the wing, row 22 through 39, which is over the wing. Cause keep in mind, the triple seven has a gigantic wing mm-hmm. and then rows 40 through 51, which are aft of the wing. Drew, what were the results on this? All right, so uh, the listeners, or no, actually Ryan's followers, and we retweeted this to our followers. Uh, row 17 through 21, which is forward of the wing, was the winner at 44%. I'm shocked. Um, second was 22 through 39, which is over the wing. 40 through 51, which is the back of the plane, was 28%. So they were tied uh, for second and third, and number one was uh, everyone. All these geeks wanted to sit forward of the wing. What do you think, Justin? Personally, I really being blind i don't think i really care but i mean <laughs> it kind of just depends on what you prioritize so yeah and i don't even, did we even mention that sometimes a lot of times we forget <laughs> that justin is blind. so justin happens to be blind and when i when i thought about this it's like oh that's going to make a big difference he may not <laughs> i i've got a question for you justin okay do you do you select seats based on sound uh no not really no. it's not even something i'd even thought about okay drew i i know what your choice was <laughs> well no i, I want to go back to justin so justin there's a difference so if you want to hear the whine of the engine in the best quality you sit in the front because you can hear that whirring and you can hear the you know as it um creates more power and then you know it powers up that's best in the front in the back it's louder and i think greg said it the best greg peterson Mm -hmm. he said you hear the whine in the front you hear the roar in the back the only time i can really remember anything noise wise on a triple seven would be we were flying um la heathrow on american in um first that they're like international first class on the the triple seven three hundreds and up there like you couldn't hear the engines at all yeah, oh, yeah, it's it's a stretch stretch cabin, much bigger yeah. than the than the two hundred, and the triple seven three hundred in general. I know Greg is listening; he's a triple seven freak. There's hardly any noise on the triple seven three hundred even even during takeoff, so you are going to be bored. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't like the Pratt and Whitney four thousand, which is an older engine on some triple seven two hundreds. If you want noise and if you want the feeling of that power, fly that. So, what did you select, Drew? All right, so I select. Everyone knows I selected the, the back. back. <laughs> And um, several reasons. Got to get that drama. Number one, cabin drama. Because <laughs> part of the flight for me, and I think for all of us, is watching what's going on in the cabin. So if I'm in the back, I get the full show. And, you know, not, I'm not going to hope for any, like, major big-time drama. But, you know, I like um, watching the flight attendant safety, you know, uh, explanation and everything. So that... And you get when you're sitting in the back in a window seat, you get the whole show of the triple seven wing. And you guys, this plane is amazing. It's always working those wings. So there's the ailerons and the flaps. But even when the plane is cruising, there's an inboard aileron that is huge, that is constantly moving. So it's a constantly constant show. 
Yeah, didn't yeah. didn't Nate say that he sat next to you for six hours on a flight? Or, or yeah. no, Nate, Nate Nate said my seatmate for a six hour <laughs> flight once talked about this inboard aileron for six hours. He was talking. <laughs> he was talking about you. We did not. We talked about. I mean, we did talk about the wing for an hour, but yeah. it wasn't, we started from the edge of the wing with the winglet and it we worked did the in. ailerons. Yeah. yeah, and the spoilers. And I don't. He was probably bored, and he's like, please, <laughs> please let this end. <laughs> yeah, if I could see, I would probably go that. That was. Would just be cool to watch that for you know a while yeah sure. it's great all right so justin's a vote for the back okay but now there's two other things guys that i didn't think about before that are also positives in the back i love the turbulence i don't know if anyone else loves turbulence i love it because it makes the time go by faster and you can see how the plane handles in mm -hmm. turbulence and you know a triple seven in turbulence is awesome because the wings are flexing and flapping around and um, the plane, the longer the plane is, you're in the back of the plane. And Justin, you may have felt this. It really um, moves around more. Like when you're in the back, it's like uh, the tail of a fish or something. Have you ever yeah, I've that? noticed that on some narrow bodies. Yeah, so that. And one last thing, when you're in the back, it's more of a party atmosphere because you're close to the galley. <laughs> yeah. And you can also <laughs> listen because <laughs> I eavesdrop a lot on what the flight attendants are talking about. And I'll listen to the drama in the in the back. And sometimes I'll go in and join them. You know, it's like a, a fun atmosphere. So Av Geeks, if you want to have a lot of fun, sit in the back. Now, Doug and Justin, I'm not going to turn down a first or business class seat. I'm not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> But well, yeah, I mean, that, that should go without saying. That goes without saying. So the choices were an economy. All right, Doug has some surprises, and I hope it's not his choice as the bulkhead. So you've turned me into a back of the cabin guy because yes. that, because that cabin drama because taking the pictures <laughs> now I, you you assume that I was going to say the front. I am going to say the front on this one, and the reason is that sound, just like mm. Greg said, because you can hear the whine of the engines up front. Whereas in the back, it just sounds like any loud engine. And to okay. hear the to hear the whine of the triple seven engine to be right there at the engine, that's the only reason why for this particular flight I'm selecting in front of the wing. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Now the other thing, I don't know why, and maybe you guys can tell me why would anyone choose over the wing? I have no idea. No idea. I can idea. tell you, it is more. It's less turbulence. That is where the plane is most stable when you're mm -hmm. sitting over the wing. But other than that, I mean, there's no view. Yeah, the triple seven wing is your whole, you know, most of your view. Mm -hmm. So I don't get that. All right. So um, Ryan, if you're listening, please choose the back because that's the right <laughs> answer. <laughs> All right. Let's get to uh, um, the meat of our uh, fun sandwich here. We have a couple, only a couple news items. What do we have going on this week, Doug? Yeah. So the first one is from Yahoo Finance and it it's... I. Do we call this an opinion piece? Like it, it's hard, an op-ed. It's it's hard to tell what sort of article this was. I think it's just kind of forward-looking. Someone making a, a prediction. It, it wasn't in the opinion section, and uh, I'm going to blame Justin for this article because he's <laughs> the one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't call like it an opinion piece. piece. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It, to me, it seemed like an opinion piece. So, and and we'll we'll get to that here in a sec. But the the title of this is "These Two Big Airlines May Shock Everyone and Merge in a Bid to Survive COVID nineteen," uh, and they're quoting an analyst who said this. And what they were talking about is they're saying that the big four, which is United, Delta, American, and Southwest, and we apologize to our international listeners, we're talking about some U.S. carriers here, but they're saying they may look a little bit different this year. 
and where this analyst and and I guess the author of this op-ed was going is that they can see United buying JetBlue and they also can see Allegiant, Frontier and Spirit, which are all ultra low cost leisure carriers in the US merging. But what they did say was that the airlines lack the cash right now to be able to do that. Guys, what, what are your what are your thoughts on this? Justin, you brought it up, so I mean I I don't think I don't think like what they were talking the the one I'd initially sent, which was from Reuters, was talking like two of the big four would merge. And I'm like, yeah, that's we I mean, that's just not gonna happen. Yeah. I mean, I could see maybe some sort of a merger between one of them and maybe one of the smaller airlines who's, you know, where maybe the networks complement each other. They've already got like a history of working together. Just in the article you sent, I, I agree with you. So I, I didn't feel that was realistic for any of the big four to merge with each other. So I found a similar article and this was a similar one. And I did see the possibilities. So let's talk about United and JetBlue. United is not the strongest on the East Coast on the North and South routes, but JetBlue is pretty strong. So maybe that's a good combination. And then on the West Coast, I would say American and Alaska is a no brainer because yeah, American's not big big on the West Coast on the North side. That would be a perfect combination. What are your thoughts, Doug? Well, I think that the, a, a lot of people speculate that American and Alaska could do it. And like what Justin was saying, that it may not be one buying the other, it may just be a merger, but usually you, you have to have some sort of a, a transaction. So one does have to purchase the other. And what people don't don't realize, and we've talked about this, Drew, is that the current American Airlines is actually the old America West because America West yes. purchased US Airways and then US Airways was the one who actually purchased American. And Doug Parker came from and, and Doug Parker came from America West. Yeah. I don't think that the Department of Justice and we'll see when the Biden administration comes in because Trump has been very open to to mergers and things like that. I know the Obama administration was a little bit more hesitant on that. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see what Biden's administration does and, and how they look at it. But American is already the, the largest airline in the world for, in right. terms of fleet, in terms of passengers carried. Delta is the largest in terms of revenue. I yeah. think an American Alaska tie up would, would just be too big. And I don't and I think that that's why Alaska joining one world is OK, because mm -hmm. they they cannot. It's not a joint venture. They cannot make joint business decisions. I just right. think it would be too big of an airline from the United JetBlue side. Could happen, I guess. I, I could see it getting approved just because United is much smaller than Delta and American, and so it would bring them a little bit more up to the same the same level. Right. I don't know. Like <laughs> you, you, you said you said that United isn't as big on the East Coast as JetBlue, and that's true. But but United has a hub in Washington. It has a hub in Newark. JetBlue has a hub in Boston. JetBlue has a hub at JFK. I think that that's just too much of an overlap to to get approved. To, but to United doesn't have anything south of Dulles of uh, Washington D.C., so they need that Miami, the Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, because yeah, that's a lot of traffic. You know, what about Allegiant, Frontier, and Spirit? You guys, I think I think that's a good idea. Have you flown those airlines, Justin? I have not. No. We got to look into that, Doug, because Doug and I were going to do a low fare um, trip and everyone keeps telling us not to do it, but <laughs> low fare challenge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My thoughts on that. They still need competition at that level. 
And I, I, again, I, I just don't see a merger of all three of those getting approved because yeah, then there would only be, there would only be a single ultra low cost carrier and it, that would be anti-competitive because yeah. then they could, even though they're a low cost carrier, they could raise their fares. It would be anti-competitive. So I just don't see that happening at all. Yeah. For some reason, I feel like Allegiant and Frontier might spirit it seems like they have an independent streak. Like they don't care about what anyone else is doing. They're like a Ryanair. It's, mm -hmm. It seems to me. Yeah. But um, just two quick points. So the government's in transition, and there's a lot of turmoil, as we've seen on TV. This is the time to get your mergers done, <laughs> because there's not enough bandwidth in Congress probably to look at it. So this yeah. is when you get it done. Um, and the other thing is for the customer, it's not necessarily bad because there's a concern about competition being reduced. So um, since 1995, we've had a lot of mergers. Northwest is gone. U.S. Airways is gone. Continental is gone. The fares have actually gone down. So, they have, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But, but Drew, look, look at the, the last time that we really had a merger was America West, uh, or uh, sorry, U.S. Airways American in 2000, mm -hmm. 2013. Yeah. Look at look at where we were prior to that. It was the financial crisis. It was 9-11. There was mm -hmm. a lot of capacity in the market. And we've talked about how load factors were in the 60s, low 70%. Yeah. 2019, pre-COVID, we were at record-breaking load factors, meaning the amount of airlines that were out there was correctly matching the capacity. It was correctly matching the demand. And I get right now that everyone is focused on COVID and what's going to happen mm -hmm. in the recovery. But right. once the vaccine gets out, once people get back in jobs and they start traveling again, those load factors are going to go back up. And and the yeah. amount of airlines we have in the market right now, I think it's right sized in, in the medium term. And, and people are looking at this from a short term thing. A merger mm -hmm. takes 18 to 24 months to complete once it's announced and goes yeah. through. Well, you know, and I'm, this is not CNBC, but, you know, it looks like our government will stabilize. And have you noticed the stock market? You know, you would think if the the capital is attacked, mm -hmm. <laughs> that would be a bad day in the market. But yeah. it hasn't been. No, because the stock market has been going up. Because because the, the investors see that they're they're projecting that we're going to be OK. And and yeah. that's that's what what the forward looking is. Yeah. Right. That's good news. All right. One more. Um, this is a bad news story. We don't have a lot of information because um, the information is incoming. So on uh, Saturday, there was uh, an airliner in uh, Indonesia. It's uh, a 737-500 operated by Sriwijaya Airlines. Uh, the aircraft was going, the flight was going from Jakarta, Indonesia to Pontianak, which is on the island of Borneo. Uh, it crashed a few minutes after takeoff in the Java Sea. 50 passengers, 12 crew on board. We don't know the cause yet, but they have locations of the two black boxes or, or flight data recorders. We'll have more on this next week, uh, so stay tuned on that. Now on to our main topic of the episode. Justin recently wrote an article on major DOT change to the acceptance of emotional support animals. This comes after years of passengers pushing the envelope with all kinds of questionable animals including an emotional support peacock, et cetera. Justin also happens to be blind, which we talked about, and he can speak about this from personal experiences traveling with his dog. Guys, go back and listen to previous episodes that we've had him on. He talks about his, do his dog in the best way possible. It's, yeah. it's like his, his best friend, man's best friend, 
Justin's best friend, definitely. Yes. The article is on Runway Girl Network. You can find that at runwaygirlnetwork.com and the link will be in the show notes on our own nexttripnetwork.com. All right, Justin. So the article is uh, titled DOT Service Animal Rule Lifts and Proposed Burdens on Handlers. And uh, basically the DOT has amended the Air Carrier Access Act to ensure airlines are not required to accept emotional support animals as service animals. Service animals are now only defined as dogs. Justin, walk us through your article and walk us through the new uh, regulations. Okay, yeah. First, we'll just take a look at the changes to the definitions. Um, as I, as you said, they the big thing is they did change the definition of a service animal. The biggest note, like you said, is A, that it is limited to only dogs, although airlines can accept other animals if they want to. Mm-hmm. The biggest change... Probably, and this aligns it more closely with the Americans with Disabilities Act, is that if it's um, if the animal is trained to help mitigate a psychiatric condition, like you know specific training, like for someone who has PTSD or something like that, it is then also considered a service animal. Okay. Under the old regulations, they were considered emotional support animals. Okay. It's though so you only got the service animal tag if you were flying if it was to mitigate a physical disability got it but they still have to have paperwork that explains that right if it is an emotional need you would file the same paperwork i would justin can i ask a question on the on the paperwork is it kind of like a passport check where uh the first time that you fly with a new passport something like that so for instance now the last the last airline that i flew on internationally was american they looked at my passport. When I go on American's website, there's a little green check mark that says documents checked on whatever the date was. So I don't have to do a document check next time. Is it kind of the same for that? So if you show up with the paperwork, it's in your profile and they don't have to look at it again. Or do you have to show up every single time you fly with your dog and hand in this, this paperwork? So, so here's how it works. And it, and here's, it's going to vary a bit by airline tip it. What, the DOT is allowing is for airlines to require um, passengers flying with a service animal to file a new form for every trip. Every okay. Trip. Yeah, it's. I mean, it is a. It's a one-page form. It's not going to take that long to fill out. It can be done. Ele- it can be done electronically and um, either emailed or uploaded. It depends on what kind of system the airline, the specific airline, has set up for it. Oh wait, now, so. Um, Wait, so you can upload it to via an app and not have to stop at the counter to do it, to do this? Yes. Yes. It can be submitted electronically. Um, and it's a, what it is, it's a fillable PDF document that Mm -hmm. you can just type in everything. And then through Adobe Acrobat, you can even UE sign it. Oh, nice. So you don't have to be at the airport any earlier than anyone else. Am I right? No. Okay. No, you can submit. Now the caveat here is they uh, they can require you to submit that paperwork at least 48 hours in advance of your trip okay. which if it's something you've planned ahead of time is not a big deal now if you're if the trip is booked within 48 hours then you just handle it at the gate mm. okay and it would be usually just probably a paper a paper one you deal with at that point mm-hmm. to address like you said with the um having to do a new one every time one thing with American is doing something a little different than the other airlines. They are saying after you submit the form, 
it will be considered good for either a year or mm -hmm. when your dog's rabies vaccination expires, whichever is sooner. Oh, nice. Okay. So, and they do this. They do this currently for the emotional support animal paperwork that they currently require. What they do is after they process the paperwork, they give you like an ID number, and then you can just attach that ID number to future reservations, and it automatically attaches your paperwork to that reservation. So it's almost like a known traveler number. Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically. And so what I'm assuming based with, um, they don't have all the information on their website yet updated last I looked, but that's how they have it set for emotional support animals already. So I'm assuming what they're doing is they're just carrying that over and applying it to service animals instead. And that probably saves them a lot of work for not having to process paperwork every single time. Mm -hmm. So um, as of Friday, now we have United, American, Delta, and Alaska that are all- JetBlue as well. And JetBlue as well? Okay. Yeah. They are not accepting emotional support animals. So the airline can choose, but they're not required to. And here we go. We have three majors, right? I haven't heard from Southwest yet. Southwest said that they're, they're going to look sometime in 2021. That was the yeah. statement that I saw from Southwest. Yeah, I've seen the same thing. Yeah. Now, um, Justin, have you heard? Have you gotten? Have you heard of any pushback from people who have emotional support animals that don't want to reclassify? Yeah, it's pretty unpopular with um, the folks in that group for obvious reasons. Um, you know, you, you you take away something that someone someone does currently, especially you know there are you know let's let's understand there are people who legitimately have that need. Mm -hmm. You know, not not anyone, not everyone who has flying with what would be tagged as an emotional support animal would be, you know, is faking it. You know, right. I, I have friends who legitimately have that need. Mm -hmm. Now, the friend I have that does that has told me that instead of dealing with all the paperwork, she will just pay the money and fly him as a checked pet or not oh. a checked pet, but as a, a in cabin, cabin pet. In cabin pet. Yeah, as an yeah. in cabin pet because it's a it's a chihuahua. Okay, so for those of you that have pigs and peacocks that you travel <laughs> with and dress them up like a dog and get some yeah, paperwork because yeah. you're not going to get on. I mean, but now you can take that peacock, but you would have to check the peacock in as cargo. Justin, what are, what are your thoughts on this? Is um, this, is this good? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Like where, where do you stand on this issue? It's more work for me now than it would have been before, mm -hmm. but it's a one page form that I can do electronically and just upload it's of what you know considering compared to what had been in the NPRM which was you show up an hour before everybody else yeah process the paperwork there with a ticket agent and all that I will take this yeah yeah we we I think we talked about that on the last episode because yeah. last time we had yeah. you on it was when they were they were proposing the changes yeah that was when the NPRM was open and that was what they had proposed and I I will take this. It's, it's well, sounds, you know, it's a, it's a heck of a lot better. Cause like I said, with that, if I have it in, you know, ahead of time, I can just do like I do now, basically once that paperwork is in or like with American, I just attach that number to my reservation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and you know, when we talked about this before, I think we all agreed that someone who needs a service animal shouldn't have to go through any additional burden at the airport than anyone else. Mm -hmm. So if you can upload it, you're not further 
burdened by other processes now. So I think that's a good thing. And I think Justin and, you know, let me know the amount of people that were taking those peacocks and pigs and what it's very small. Yeah. Right? The percentage of people that had some, something other than a dog. So to my knowledge, yeah, it's pretty small. I think we talked about this last time, but the the big reason for this isn't the peacocks and, and pigs, which that should, we should turn that into a hashtag Drew <laughs> peacocks and pigs. I, I think sugar the, gliders. Yeah. The main reason uh, for this is people were claiming emotional support animals to avoid having to pay for, for pets. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then you were running into safety issues because maybe you have, you know, let's, you know, a, an airport environment and on an airplane is not, you know, that's not a environment like a dog or other animal is going to be used to. It's going to freak them out. a little. Yeah. Right. And you there know, was a lot, there's a lot of pushback from crew members also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they have to, they're the ones who have the most um, experience dealing with the, with, you know, I mean, you have dogs that, you know, you might have a dog that bites someone or, defecates all over the place because it's just freaked out or something right yeah um you know the plane if you've never done it before and you're really not used to it that that takeoff roll that first time might really freak a dog out mm-hmm. right. i so mean i've heard them either there was a story told when i was um going through my training with pj like someone had fallen asleep and they didn't really have their dog secured correctly like what i do is i wrap I wrap his leash around my seatbelt and on him mm-hmm. so he can't really wander off very far, but they had a graduate's dog once because the guy sat, sat down, fell asleep, didn't secure it. As soon as that takeoff roll started, the dog got up and started running up and down the aisle. <laughs> hmm. um, you know, and like I said, it was probably just freaked out because of, because like, what's this, what's all this noise? You yeah. know, it, it has no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. So this week, Justin, you know, this is before the rule. The rule takes place today. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it takes effect on the 11th, which, well, from we're recording on Sunday. So, yeah, it takes effect tomorrow. On Monday. So we had this week, we had an altercation on board where the customer service supervisor had to intervene. And it wasn't the passengers. It was two separate dogs, two different parties that were growling at each other. Hmm. So Uh. they had to separate them and put one party in the back. Because the dogs were growling at each other, even through the, you know, their little kennels that they were yeah. in. So those were probably not service animals, not no. trained. Well, and if they're, I mean, they were both, you said they were both in carriers? Yeah, I believe okay. so. Okay. Yeah. yeah. At least there was that. But that, under the rules, like I said, an emotional support animal can be classified as a pet and can come in the cabin as long as it can be in a carrier. Okay. Um, you know, so the under 20 pounds or whatever the rule is. Yeah, there's there's a famous picture. I don't know if you've seen this, Drew, from a year or two ago of two Great Danes in Delta One on a mm-hmm. Delta Seven Sixty Seven, oh, and gosh. Great Great Danes are not not small dogs by any means. And they're, no, they're I had st- them growing up, standing on the seats. They're they're looking around. So you, you see these pictures, and I that's what this that's what this what well, you this see new these- role is meant to avoid. You see these adorable pictures, like the the girl who was taking the the miniature pony on, mm-hmm. and the pony was so cute. It's like I couldn't deny that pony. I mean, yeah, but you know, it's a stretch. Yeah, know, no, it definitely is. Pony. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was. <laughs> and when you mentioned the miniature pony, the um, you know, there was a push to get them to recognize miniature horses as well, but um, 
the DOT determined that there are so few of them in use that Mm -hmm. they didn't see a need to allow them. You have to draw the line somewhere. Well, actually, Drew, if we're we're doing the peacocks and pigs and peacocks hashtag, Mm -hmm. why not just add ponies? Ponies, Ponies. pigs, and peacocks. (laughs) That's an easy way to remember what you can't bring on. Yeah. All right. So, (laughs) all right, let's get uh, back to the fun part of our fun sandwich. So with football season ending, Doug came up with an idea to look at the current football charters and ask you, our listeners, what routing and aircraft you would choose. Yeah, and Drew, I know you're not a football fan, but I figured I could convince you to do this because it has to do with flying. Anything with airplanes gets your attention. Justin, you are a a football fan. I am as well. Uh, But in these two polls, we ask people not to choose these routes based on your favorite teams, but instead choose it based on the experience, whether it's the airplane type, the airline, the city is going to, et cetera. So what we did was there were three games yesterday, three today. So we broke it up into the two days. So yesterday, Indianapolis played at Buffalo. They flew on two Delta A330 300s. The LA Rams played in Seattle. They flew on an American 787-9. And then I actually did see they added, I think it was a 737 as well. So they, they did add a second flight. And then Tampa Bay played in Washington, D.C. Uh, they flew on a Delta A330 and then a second Delta A332. So we put this out for the listeners. The the top, I mean, it won by 82%. It was L.A. to Seattle on the American 787-9. What would you guys choose? Well, and then Indy, Indy to Buffalo, surprisingly, was second place. I figured that Tampa to, to BWI, which is where the, um, the Buccaneers flew into, uh, ended up in, in third place. So Justin, we'll start with you. Don't choose based on your, based on the team, but which of those three flights would, would you have taken? I mean, I would have probably picked Dreamliner to Seattle. I mean, Seattle's a nice place to be and Dreamliner is generally a pretty nice plane, even if, you know, it can get a little cramped in coach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. True. I'd pick the same because, um, I love Seattle and I haven't spent a lot of time there. Plus a seven eight seven dash nine would be cool, and I'm I've flown on American seven eight seven dash nines. They're really nice, so that would be my choice. What about you? I meant to look this up before we recorded. Is LA to Seattle longer than Tampa to BWI? I'm guessing it probably is. It, it probably it is. is by maybe a uh, hundred miles or so. I yeah, would. I, think I, I would be pretty close. I would go with whatever is the longest one because if we're oh, talking really? if we're talking domestic wide body, yeah. And a lot of people said uh, I'm there's no way I would take an A330 over a 787-9. But if... If you've never taken it before, then... Yeah, if if you've never taken it before. But for me, it's like, if I'm going to be on a wide body, I want to fly on the longest flight possible, which I'm guessing is probably LA to Seattle. So that's probably mine. LA to Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, we got to talk about... There's like a certain undercurrent of people not preferring the A330. And I'll tell you, I've flown a bunch of A330s and I love the A330. They're nice planes. Yeah, I, I really do too. I've, I've never had a bad experience. I yeah. I was bummed when American retired all of them. Yeah, my first time on an A330 was American, Madrid to Philly. That was my first wide body. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, really? A330, I was... um traveling from London to Sri Lanka on an A330 and I was in economy and I was on the two seat side. So I had some stranger sitting next to me who turned out to be nice, but anyway, it, it was, it was fine because it's only one person. Do you have to so get through seven, eight, seven, you have to jump over two people to get out. 
So yeah, Jen and Jen and I, when we flew to Dublin from Philly, we were on like one of the two seats and it was, it's perfect. It's perfect. And it was comfortable, you know, Mm -hmm. flying as a couple, it it really is perfect. All right. um, Good choices, but wait, there's more. Here are three more charters for us to choose from. So now these uh, flights are also set for the three NFL uh, playoff games tomorrow. So these choices are, um, let's see, uh, Doug, why don't you read them? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So the, the Ravens, the Ravens were playing the Titans in Nashville. Uh, so they were on an Atlas that again, they had two flights. And I think because of COVID they're, they're trying to separate the teams a little bit. So they had an Atlas seven, six, seven, 300 and an Atlas seven forty seven four hundred from BWI to Baltimore, Washington to Nashville. The second one was the Bears were playing in New Orleans. They were playing the Saints. They had a single United triple seven two hundred. And then the third game today is Cleveland at Pittsburgh. They had a United triple seven two hundred, and then a smaller United seven thirty seven eight hundred. So this poll made me laugh because the name of this poll should have been like, what is your favorite routing and why did you pick the 747? <laughs> <laughs> why don't you cover the results and then we, we can we can ask what everyone chose. All right. So Baltimore to Nashville, uh, 767-300 and or uh, 747-400, 70.6 people, 70.6% of people chose that. Uh, the second choice was Chicago to New Orleans in a triple seven, 200, 23.5%. And bringing up the rear was um, Cleveland to Pittsburgh with uh, 737, 800, 5.9%. Hey, yeah, I, I agree with the majority. And I, I, I will tell you, um, we can go over all the results. I went and looked up a little bit of information on the configuration of those Atlas aircraft. And I can share that in a minute. Yeah, d- go ahead and do it right now. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Give me just a sec. Let me get that pulled up off my cheat sheet here. Oh, sure. Oh, this yeah, is going to so, be interesting, actually. Drew, so uh, while he's looking that up, Drew, what what would you choose? <laughs> Are you really asking me that question? The Atlas. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You too, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, now, what? let's see what Justin says, but I'm interested. So this is an Atlas 747-400. Do you know where that plane came from? Like which airline? I do, yeah. But let, let, let's see. Well, let, let, let's see what Justin found. But uh, to me, United. to me, the worst of these flights is the Cleveland to Pittsburgh. I looked that up. That was 183 miles. It was 33 minutes. They got up to like 25,000 feet. And 5.9 yeah. percent of the people chose that. Yeah, that's what, what a what a waste of a triple seven two hundred flight. Come on, people! Like right. you could you could fly to New Orleans from Chicago on the same airplane, basically. I know. Right. I totally agree so they have atlas has two configurations of the 747 um passenger variants they have a vip one and i've, I've actually heard about this one because the uh, cardinals have used it in the past and the radio people were raving about it on one of the sh- one of their shows here the next day after they flew it for the first time yeah it used to be an oil um it would fly from Houston to places in Africa for some yeah. of the oil magnates and oil conglomerates. And so it is, it, it is not like, cause Atlas does have a high density 450 seat, something high density. Yeah. yeah I've got info on that too. That they use with, for, for troop movements that they so use for, for the government. This is the VIP. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the VIP, the upper deck is 26 business class seats. And I'm assuming these aren't all direct aisle access or probably not, but probably not. 
you know, well, it, the the info the information I pulled off their website didn't have any specifics beyond that. Anyway, I, like I said, the upper deck is twenty six um, business class. Um, they have ten like first class suites, followed by. And this is probably including like that upper deck, but a total of 143 business class seats. Oh, wow. So like every player gets their own business class seat. Yeah, which is good because if if you think about the United flights and the Delta flights, a lot of those players are going to be in premium economy or or regular economy. What I've heard about about sports charters in the past is usually each player gets their own row. Yeah, they get their own row. I, I actually, I, I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was the athletic. Um, I, I don't remember what what publication it was, but they were talking about how they determine who sits where on these yeah. airplanes. And usually, of course, like the head coach and the coaches get if it's a limited number of business class seats. That's from one of our episodes. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, they the get the business class, and the, yeah. the doctor, and then the team class. the team captains. And if there are extra seats, then they can determine who who else gets it. Yeah. Yeah. So for for uh, who was this? It was Baltimore. Baltimore flying to Tennessee. Everyone got the business class seat. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a bunch of people sitting in coach on a Delta A three thirty. We should get yeah. that registration number and see where that plane came from. <laughs> and um, just to add on to this, there's also thirty six business or thirty six economy seats, probably economy just seats. thrown in the back somewhere. But yeah, yeah. that's that's hundred forty media pool for the, fans. For the media pool. <laughs> media, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, their high density is t- the upper deck is all economy seats at 66. Ugh. It says there are 23 business class and 439 economy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and on their seven, six, it didn't, spe- I, the, uh, page I saw didn't specify seat numbers, but they're all economy. Oh, okay. Interesting. Have you guys ever sat on a 747 upper deck economy? I have on a trip 747, a British Airways 747 200. A 200. Was, Interesting. Yeah. And it was cool because um, it's economy, but I felt special because I was upstairs. Upstairs. Yeah. But that's, that's yeah, going to th- be the biggest oxymoron, upper deck economy. Yeah. I think it was, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think it was Ava there, uh, if I'm saying that right. I think when they like when they removed first class from theirs, they had their first class on the upper deck and they replaced it with economy. Hmm. Oh, Interesting. Okay. Justin, thank you for av geeking with us for your third episode and for joining our rants. Everyone follow Justin on Twitter at FatElvis04. Check out his articles on Runway Girl Network. Again, you can find the link to his current article and others at nexttripnetwork.com. If you guys like this poll, uh, we'll do them for the next couple of weeks for football charters. So let us know if you didn't like it, let us know. <laughs> but I, I have a feeling based on the feedback that we got that, that people like this. So we'll, we'll try and keep it going. Justin, anything else you want to promote or tell the listeners? Nothing that I can think of. Now, um, I do have a piece coming up soon for Runaway Girl that I'm working on related actually to this topic we were discussing, just looking at the accessibility of the DOT forms. Um, I haven't finished it yet, but I suspect that'll run in the next week or two. Okay, cool. Thanks, Justin. And on Justin has, how many articles do you have on there now? You have three, Uh, six. So this next one would be my seventh, seventh. Okay. Yeah. So, um, go check runwaygirlnetwork.com. A lot of good stories about accessibility and passenger experience. 
So um, really good publication. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Justin. To our listeners, this podcast is your show. So go on our new website, nexttripnetwork.com and let us know what's on your mind so we can talk about it or give us your feedback. You can also follow us on Twitter at Next Trip Podcast. Thanks to all of our listeners for your support, for joining the conversation. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, stay aviation tough. Y'all take care. This has been the Next Trip Podcast. Visit nexttripnetwork.com for information about previous episodes, trip reviews, aviation photos, and other aviation-related content. This is your show, so search for The Next Trip on Twitter and let Doug and Drew know what you want to talk about. Not on Twitter? You can also email them at nexttrip.podcast at gmail.com. Please consider leaving a review wherever you download your podcasts. It will help other listeners like you discover this show. All right. Well, thanks. uh, uh, Sorry. All right. Well, thanks for ab geeking us. Um, Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I'm reading this. There's our outtake. I'm reading this and I can't read it. We've probably got a lot of outtakes in this. I can't read this. All right. So this was your third episode. This is my third try at reading about your third episode. <laughs> <laughs> you did kind of have geek us with that. <laughs> so I did, yeah. <laughs>